morning. This morning we are continuing with our foundation series. Uh, it's, as I have been saying this every week, it's a series to intend to help us have a better grasp or understanding of the elementary teachings we are to know as followers of Jesus Christ. These foundational topics or also um, their reference as elementary teachings can be found in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1 and 2. Some of these topics may be revealed to some of us or there may be something brand new to others. Either way, it is good and necessary for all of us to know these foundational topics as we grow in our faith, you know, individually and uh, as we grow and mature together as a church. And until each of us can fully understand these foundational topics, you know, for us as a church, we are not able to fully step into what God has for us. So it is, uh, it's good that we want to go through these foundational topics together so all of us can be on the same page. The, uh, the topics that we have gone through so far have been salvation, baptism, uh, the Bible, talking about our Father, who is our Father, talking about the church. If you were not here during some, those Sundays and you, you feel like you don't have a full understanding of, of, on any of these topics, I encourage you to listen to the recording on our foundation series on our website. We actually also have a podcast it's a restoration podcast on iTunes also, so if that's something that you want to listen to. I wouldn't recommend that for all of my sermons, but at least for the foundational topic, it's good to listen to if this is something that you are not fully familiar with. Today, we will touch on the topic of prayer and fasting. Prayer is something we often uh, talk here and talk about, but fasting is not as often preached on or practice within the church, at least from what I've seen. We talk about, we, we, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to talk about prayer and fasting separately. So after going through prayer and fasting separately through scripture, we will come to see why they go hand in hand and they go together. So let's, let's firstly, let's, let's, go in, in, let's go into prayer. I want to share uh, several basic things on prayer and what the Bible says about prayer. However, I do want to point out the most important thing. The very most important thing about prayer is that true prayer, it is everything about relationship. And has nothing to do with empty ritual or empty religion. Again, it's everything to do with relationship and nothing to do with ritual or empty religion. It is a love relationship involving dialogue with God. That's what it is. So it is not about how you're supposed to stand this like this or speak in a certain tone of voice. It is about a relationship. It's about dialogue with God, the ones who we know. So he, 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 God doesn't care for the rituals or he doesn't care about how articulate we may sound when we pray or he doesn't care about how spiritual we may sound when we pray. He cares about the heart behind the dialogue, all the prayer of the people that he loves. He loves to enter into a dialogue. He loves to communicate with us, the people whom he loves. He calls us as the, the apple of his eye. So that's who he wants to talk to. Uh, as a reminder, I think we all know this, we were created in the image of God. 
we were created to fellowship. Fellowship is is same thing as meaning to be in relationship with God. He created us that way because he wants to be in relationship with us. Yes, it is important to know and remind ourselves that God, God, he wants to have a relationship with us. We were created to have a relationship with him, but he also wants to have, have a relationship with us. That's why we were created in his image. You know, we are his children, and it's good to always remind ourselves of this. We are his children whom he loves, and he's most pleased of us through Jesus. So when we pray to him, we're talking to our Father who loves us and who is most pleased of us. Knowing that, as we come to know that and be assured in that knowledge, we will be and we should be at ease when we pray to him. We should be at ease when we enter into a dialogue with God. So we don't need to ramble on. Like I said, we don't, have, we don't need to sound so articulate. We don't have to sound like someone else. We can just be ourselves and not rambling on. Because Jesus said that in Matthew 6, verse 7, 8, when he was teaching them how to pray, he said, Do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. The emphasis here is that God's love and his knowledge of us. He loves us and he knows us. He knows us well. So again, as a reminder, prayer, it is a dialogue, a conversation with the one who loves us and knows us more than we know ourselves, if that is possible, which is, that's how he knows us. Using an example of yourself and, and you know, of, of us, like, I was trying to think of an illustration that would help us to understand this. If we have someone who we truly love with everything that we have, and we, we of course, want to hear from that person, we long to hear from that person, we yearn to hear from that person. So when that person speaks to us and comes to us, the ones who we've been yearning to hear from, we're going to put everything aside and listen to what they have to say, right? And that's how God is. Once we speak to him, once we enter into a dialogue with him, that's how he is. He puts everything aside and he tries to hear from us. He wants to hear what we have to say. And that's, a, that's, a, that's an encouragement for us to know that we want to constantly pray to him and speak to him and be ourselves. It, it's a, as a reminder, prayer is a dialogue. So as we pray... But at the same time, we want to pray is because Jesus prays all the time. We pray because Jesus spends time in prayer often. As followers of Jesus, we are to follow his examples. But it's a good example, right? And praying is something that he did daily. Daily. We, and, and he did that daily because Jesus was entering into a dialogue with his father on a daily basis. We saw many examples of that. I, I, didn't, I don't know if I listed that on, top, um, on the slide for you guys, but we, we saw many examples of that through uh, the Gospels of how Jesus left and went by himself alone to pray. So how to pray? Jesus taught us on how to pray in Matthew 6. It is an incredible passage if you guys ever get, um, get a chance to study on it. Before this morning, I want to talk more in terms of praying in the Spirit. We can see this uh, throughout uh, scripture. For example, in Ephesians 6 verse uh, 18, it said, pray, Paul wrote that pray in the spirit on all occasions 
with all kinds of prayers and requests. In John 4, verse 24, Jesus said, Yet the time is coming, has now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit. Remember that God is Spirit. And His worshipers must worship in Spirit and in truth. So when we pray in the Spirit, because God is Spirit, we need to pray in the Spirit. And when we do that, we align ourselves with God because God is spirit. And also in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 to 13, it's a little bit long, but I would like for you to let's all stay together and read these verses. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in the words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. Praying in the Spirit means that we are allowing the Holy Spirit to search our hearts. Praying in the Spirit, we are allowing the Holy Spirit to, to, to speak to us. So as the Holy Spirit speak to us, we will be able to speak out. We will be able to cry out for the things that were put there by God. And when we pray in the Spirit, it, it doesn't have to be some supernatural, crazy um, things that we see on TV. It can come in many different ways. And as I was saying before, just be ourselves. But it can come in many different forms. It, it's similar to many of the, the different ways that we, when we talked to the people whom we love. Uh, scriptures give many examples of people praying with intelligent words, praying in, in tongues, praying with groaning, praying with, you know, in terms of with cries and, with, and silently. When we search for the Holy Spirit, praying out the things that he puts on our hearts and be in tune with him, we will find rest and peace because we know this is what God is telling us. This is what God is leading us. This is what God is revealing to, to us. So we are just speaking out the things that is already happening, the thing that is, has already, God has already set in place. And that's, that's what I meant when I say when we say, when we pray in the Spirit, that will give us rest and peace. Also, when we pray in the Spirit, we will get to hear what God has put on our hearts. And as we pray out those things, those things will be given to us. Jesus, um, John wrote that in 1 John 5, verse 14, when he said, ask for, and it will be given to us when we ask, according, according to his will. So when we pray in the spirit, we will know what is his will and what he is speaking to us. Another thing is when we pray in the spirit and we do that often, it will not only give us rest and peace, but it will also bring joy in our lives. Paul wrote in Philippians 4, verse 6, chapter 4, verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Jesus said, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians, be joyful always, pray continually, 
give thanks in all circumstances, in all situations, and in all circumstances, communicate with God and give thanks to him. When I say communicate, I mean pray, like communicate to him, pray to him, share with him of the things that, that's on our hearts, the things that God has put on our hearts. With everything, meaning when things are going well, when things are not going well, when we're trusting for something, but also when we're being thankful for the things that God has given us. We don't want to be just, you know, like a, an example that I was sharing earlier about speaking to the one whom you love. You, we don't just speak with the person whom we love only when things are going badly. We talk with the person whom we love when things are going well also. We talked about the good things, we talk about the bad things, we talk about the mundane things. God wants to hear from us on all those areas. Not only when we're seeking for something, because there is, I admit this myself, sometimes when we trust Him for something, we're pressing in, we're praying, we're trying to hear from God, and when we receive what has been given to us, we enjoy those things a little bit too much, and we forget to be thankful and continuing to pray and spend time with God. And that's a reminder for us. And that's what, that's what Paul wrote when he said, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, good or bad or even the neutral. He wants to hear, God wants to hear everything that is going on in our lives because he loves us. We are his treasured possessions. Praying in the spirit, again, praying in the spirit. When we do that daily, it will help us to grow in our maturity. It will help us to grow in our characters as we are aligning ourselves with God. When we pray in the Spirit, God teaches us to be persistent in our prayers. And as we do that, He will teach us to be persistent in our character. He teaches us, you know, when we, when we praying in the Spirit, He will teach us to pray with tenacity, which will teach us to be tenacious in going after the things that God has revealed to us. I list some of the attributes up here because, like I said, when we pray with persistent, it will allow us to live with persistent. Persist, be persistent for the things that we trust Him for. Be tenacious for the things that God has put on our hearts. It teaches us to be humble when we pray with humility. It teaches us to, to forgive when we pray with a sense of forgiveness. It teaches us to, you know, when you talk about simplicity, just be simple and appreciate the simple things that we have from God. Intensity, pray with intensity that will teach us to live with an intensity for God's love. Same thing with unity and expectancy. When we pray together with unity, we will be, we, we will be able to live in unity together, united with one heart and one mind for the things that God has for us. And expectancy, like I said, when we pray with expectancy, that will give us an opportunity to be able to live that out. Live out with the expectancy that God is good. Live out the expectancy of receiving his goodness and his love. With all that said about prayer, I, I know there's so much more about prayer that I haven't covered. But I do want to repeat what I said earlier because I believe the heart of prayer is that true prayer is everything to do with relationship and nothing to do with empty ritual or religion. It's a love relationship involving dialogue with God. So if you can remember one thing about prayer this morning, remember that. True prayer is everything to do with relationship and nothing to do with empty religion or ritual. 
I want to touch briefly on group prayer or corporate prayer. This is something that we do often. There's so many things to say on it, but I just feel that Psalm 133 speaks to this the best, gives the best image of God's people coming together. Psalm 120, uh, 133 is like how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil pool on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on the Mount Zion. For there, the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. There's nothing. There is nothing. There's nothing more pleasing to God than having his people, his loved ones, come together in unity and seeking his glory, seeking his will. That's, that's where he will bestow, meaning he will give, he will present his blessing, even life forevermore. That's where healing will happen. That's where breakthrough will happen when we come together. That's why we gather for corporate prayer every first Wednesday of the month. It is important and necessary to, to him, to God, when we gather as his people, as united, as one. We want to be two people together and united who seek after his will and his blessing. And also we do this because, as I said, there's nothing more pleasing to God than having his people coming together, united to talk to him, to hear from him. That's why we gather once a month. We probably should do it more, but because of the fact of living in the city, we try to do it just once a month. I can spend so much more time talking about prayer, but I want to, due to the, the time, I want to talk about fasting for a little bit. Um, fasting. I have to admit, uh, it's, it's not easy for me. I love food. So I love to eat. So fasting is it's just seemed... Ah, so much work. But I think hopefully by going through this this morning, it will become a revelation for us that it's just part of, of what we do. Fasting, by its very nature, it seems to suggest that something is wrong. Because eating is a normal part of who we are, right? As human, our bodies need food. Fasting, it is an intentional abstaining from food. It is an intentional abstaining from eating. It implies a disruption in the very natural rhythm of the physical life. The emphasis here is the intentional abstaining of food to disrupt the current rhythm of the physical life. But before we get more in depth on the reason for why we want to intentionally, intentionally abstain from eating food, let's look at how fasting started from the very beginning of time, like very beginning of time. Fasting was a spiritual act of many different ancient cultures. It was a natural act when people, not just unique to the Israelites, but when people in general are searching for wisdoms, for insights, for, for victories, uh, trusting for, um, for protection or even repentance, seeking those things from a higher being, whatever gods they were worshiping. I'm, I'm talking about, about all people. So therefore, in fact, fasting is not unique to just Israel. It was, just considered, it was considered a common practice for all people. When we, as for the Israelite, when we look at the incidents of fasting in the Old Testament, it was as if something that has always been done. 
it was something that was just a natural part of the Israelites, of the people, just a natural part of life. Because there was nowhere in scripture where it said the people began to fast. There was no beginning of when fasting started. It was just, you fast. That was a very natural part of people from the beginning of time. The intentional abstaining of food, as in fasting, again, was a natural part of life when people, come, when people were coming before God. Whether it is to communicate or seeking for protection or provision or seeking for wisdom, fasting wasn't a common practice regarding physical health cleansing like it is now. Fasting was part of the overall communication with God. Therefore, fasting and prayer have always gone together as how we communicate with God. People prayed and fasted. We saw many examples of fasting throughout the Old Testament. It was a common practice, like I said. David fasted in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 12. Nehemiah fasted. All the Israelites fasted in Judges and everywhere else. Ezra fasted in uh, Ezra 8 verse 23. So the people of the Bible fasted so they can come into his presence and communicate with God. We also know that God, we talked about God is spiritual from the verses I mentioned earlier. So therefore fasting, because as we come into the presence of God and fasting um, is, is, is part of our overall communication and God is spirit, fasting heightens our spiritual awareness. Fasting heightens our dependence on God, heightens our awareness that we are dependent on God. Therefore fasting, as in the intentional abstaining of food as I said earlier, is the intentional disruption of the physical awareness or the intentional disruption of the natural cycle of the physical life. So our spiritual awareness can be heightened. Look at what Jesus said about fasting when the disciple asked him, teach us how to pray. So he went on and he said, when you pray, you know, we, we know this when he, he talked about our Father in heaven. But right after that, he said, and then he went on to say, when you fast. This was in Matthew 6, verse 16. He talked about when you pray, when it was done, he talked about when you fast. It was not if you fast. He said, when, when you fast. In Matthew 6, verse 9, it was expected for people to pray and fast. Jesus expects us to enter this lifestyle of both prayer and fasting. And uh, we can see that in Matthew chapter 9 when John's disciple was asking Jesus, why are your people not fasting? And he would say, there will come a day when they will pray and fast. So he's expecting us to pray and fast. And fasting, as, as, as we can see from the examples, has been around since the Old Testament times and was done frequently. The people, you know, the whole nations and some individually and the whole nation would fast often. The fasting was often called by leaders, kings, uh, government leaders in the Old Testament. But also we see that in the New Testament also. So we saw, we, we saw it in the scripture that fasting was a common occurrence within the New Testament churches in Acts. This is in addition to Jesus constantly fasting. We knew that he fasted for 40 days. One of the, uh, you know, we, we looked through the book of Acts and there were many examples of fasting 
within the New Testament church in the book of Acts. One of that is from Acts um, chapter 13, verse 2, when the church, the whole church of Antioch fasted. Uh, again, fasting was a common practice in conjunction with praying. This was, I feel that, uh, I, can, I think I can say this because I actually use the, the NIV version a lot, and I can say this, that the fasting, the concept of fasting and, and, the, and the term fasting was often lost in the modern translations because there are a few places where fasting was completely replaced by the word praying. Let's look at a couple of those places. So first one is on, in Acts chapter 10, verse 30. In the NIV version, it's a Cornelius answer. Three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour. This is about uh, him meeting Paul when Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus. But in the King James Version, and I think sometimes it's good for us to go back to the original version, the original translation, so we can truly understand what was being said. So in the King James Version, the same verse, Acts 10 verse 30, and Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. Same thing in Mark uh, chapter 9, verse 29, when Jesus casted out the mute and uh, deaf spirit from a boy. Mark 9, verse 29. In the NIV version, he said, he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. But if we go to the King James Version, and he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. I, as I said earlier that fasting heightened our spiritual awareness and our dependence on God. When we pray and fast, it heightens our spiritual awareness on God. It heightens our dependence on God. And, and it brings forth spiritual power into the non-spiritual environment that we live in. This is the only conclusion that can come from Jesus' answer in Mark 9, verse 29, because this is when the disciple was asking Jesus, hey, how come you were able to cast out this demon? We've been praying, and we've been trying to cast out this evil spirit. Jesus' answer was, this kind can come forth by nothing, but by prayer and fasting. Unfortunately, nowadays, fasting and prayer, like I said, are not talked about or discussed as as an overall communication with God. And I'm guilty of this also. Uh, because fasting is now just, uh, is more commonly known as just a form of cleansing, you know, for health-wise. It is one of the benefits, but it is not the reason for why we fast. We can see it from both in the Old Testament and the New Testament that fasting was not meant to be for just a physical health benefit. Yes, it's, it, it's helpful, it's a form of uh, cleansing for health reason, but that is just one of the side benefits. Unfortunately, we have made it to be the main reason for fasting. I wanna repeat this again. You know, fasting as an intentional abstaining of food, it's a disruption of the physical awareness so our spiritual awareness will be heightened and our dependence on God will be heightened. That's why we fast. We need to bring fasting back to what the Bible teaches us, what Jesus teaches us, and follow his examples. Fasting was meant to be as common as praying. It was meant to be as when we pray, we fast. When we were fasting, that means we were praying. 
we can see from the Bible that praying and fasting went hand in hand. But not only that, we need to remember what Jesus said. This kind can only come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. It's, it's an alter, you know, praying and fasting is not an alternative to a godly lifestyle. As we can see that in scripture, it is part of a godly lifestyle. It is part of who we are as God's people, right? As followers of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage us to let's try to get back into that understanding, into that thinking that when we pray, we fast. And when we fast, we pray. Fasting has a health benefit, but that's the only, that is not the only reason why we fast. Um, so I, let's, you know, we talked a lot about how we want to be the people to, who live out the authentic biblical church. Let's also do that with our prayer time and our fasting time. So with that, I, um, I would like to suggest for us as we move forward next month to include fasting when we gather together at a corporate prayer time. So for this season, we're going to try this out. Uh, for this season, you know, we, we want to be committed people, but at the same time, we need to be realistic of the where we at and, and what we can and cannot do. So I would like to suggest that for the upcoming season, we would fast on the day when we have corporate prayer. What we can do is, um, and this is something that we're trying out, and we can work through the logistics, and we can uh, make changes and adjustments as necessary. Uh, and even if you are not able to join us at the corporate prayer, I would encourage you guys to spend that day fasting with us, along with us. So what we're going to do is, instead of meeting from 6.30 until 7.30 for prayer time, we're going to try to change it and come to our place after a day of fasting, spend time praying from six until seven, and then we're gonna break the fast together. So we're gonna have a meal together as a body. So it's similar to a connect group, but we're gonna spend probably the first hour, first 45 minutes to, to pray together. Um, after we have spent the whole day of fasting, hearing from God, hearing the things that he has for us, individually and what he has for us as a church. And, uh, and we'll see how that goes. And we can make changes and make adjustments as we, as we proceed. And, and you know, for, for people, we don't want to take this drastic step of fasting for three days or five days. We want to slowly, slowly step into the things that God has for us. So I'm going to send out an email shortly, just a little bit more details. We're still trying to work through this. And I just feel like you know, this is something that we talk about all the time. Us as a church, we want to practice out the things that we see in scriptures. And this is one of the things that I feel we can grow more into so we can be more mature and step into the things that God has for us individually and what he has for us corporately. So we all good? I know it's a little bit daunting. I promise you the very first time I fasted was not fun. But it was an amazing experience to experience more of what God has for us and to... Uh, and, to, uh, and, and just to experience more of what God has for us and just to hear the things that he has for us and, and encourage us to rely, understand of our reliance on him and understanding that what it means to pray in the spirit and what he has for us. So with that said, uh, let's, um, I will send out an email and that's, uh, that's what I have for today. I know it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, 
challenging topic, but it was challenging for me, and hopefully it will stir us to press in and, and seek for more of what God, has, God, what God has for us. So with that said, I'll pray for us, and then we'll uh, end the meeting. Okay, amen.